yada 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 margin reference yada 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 i'll edit some of that out maybe uh (laughs) welcome to rebalancing act we are leslie ann saintamore and kieran waterhouse climate change is here and we know we need to solve it so join us every second friday with rebalancing act where we talk climate solutions this week is part two of our three-episode series on air, and we're talking air-based renewables. This week, I chatted with Sean Fleming and Mayor Boucher of the town of Antigonish about AREA, an organization of three municipalities that are working together on renewable energy projects. Take a listen to our interview. Would you like to introduce yourself, Mayor Boucher? Sure. Um, my name is Lori Boucher. I'm the mayor of the, the town of Antigonish. Um, this is my second term as mayor, and I also sit, serve as chair of area as well. Thank you. And Sean? I'm Sean Fleming, and I'm the project development and operations officer with, uh, with area. The first question I want to ask is, can you tell us a little bit about the story of area and how Antigonish decided to kind of get into the renewables in that way? For sure. Um, well, area, the idea of area started uh, long before I came on board. Um, there's been, there was a number of, uh, of uh, opportunities that were explored uh, before area came into being. I have to realize that area, which is, um, uh, is made up of three, um, three municipalities, um, Mahone Bay, Berwick and Anaganish, and we all have something in common. Um, in order to form a strong partnership, you have to have something in common. And the thing we have in common that we, we all own our own electric utility. And, uh, you know, things are, the, the government has been trying to get people to switch over and, and to, uh, be, as re, uh, renewable resources become more uh, uh, readily available, uh, we're trying to go that way as, as well. So uh, three municipalities came together and decided that uh, wind farm would be would be great, uh, would be very beneficial to all three municipalities. And, um, uh, you know, through diligent um, overview, um, through Monist Energy and um, help from our staff at each municipality, uh, the decision was finally made for all three municipalities to form area together and um, do something good for each 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 community and for the greater good of, of Nova Scotia as well. Wow, thank you. And so is area one wind farm, is it multiple wind farms? I'm actually not entirely clear on that now that you're reminding me that it's multiple municipalities. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's three municipalities. So just for people that don't that aren't aware, it's Alternative Resource Energy Authority, which is the acronym for area, and um, it's it's we have one um, one wind farm right now, but it's made up of ten turbines, and it produces twenty three point five megawatts of green energy uh, for all three municipalities, um, but it also provides uh, energy to um, to the Riverport Electric Commission as well, Electric Light Commission as well. 
Uh, right now it's, uh, it's providing 40% of our electricity, which is green. Um, and then with importing, Anakinish is up to uh, so 64% of our electricity being used within the town is from a green source. So that's, that's pretty significant. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. But and and also give uh, providing energy to um, to Riverport again. You know, when you're making this energy, you have to be able to uh, to use it as well and sell it off. So, um, you know, if we can make the and somebody if we're making the energy and somebody else can buy the load, that's that's good for everybody. What was it that pushed the three municipalities originally to start this work? It's a, a common goal. Um, we want to do something uh, that makes our electric utility uh, sustainable for the future. Um, all three uh, municipalities that own their own electric utility, it's pretty, it's very, um, it's a wonderful asset to have and we're very fortunate. So we have to use it uh, to be able to have our, to, to, to provide a sustainable uh, utility for our community. And so uh, a good partnership is formed when somebody has something in common. And so this is why we came together and uh, decided to, to be able, to, we were very fortunate to be able to do this. Um, yeah, so it's uh, partnerships are stronger when there's a lot of trust. Um, I'm a big proponent of, of partnerships. Um, we've uh, worked hard together to get where we are now. Um, three municipalities, each municipality uh, owns a different percentage share in, in the board. And uh, But that being said, we all have equal say when we're around the board table. Um, equal representation and equal say. So it's um, it's a it's a partnership built on trust, and um, wanting to do something good for our community and good for Nova Scotia. That sounds like a really amazing way to organize it. That regardless of the percentage of ownership, it's equal say around the table. Yeah. yeah. What have you learned working on this project? Um, I'd love to hear from both of you on this. What have you learned about the process of this? What have you learned about renewables? I think, you know, the successes uh, with area really show um, what's possible when municipalities are, are ambitious and, and entrepreneurial and, and, and really working together collaboratively, like, uh, like Mayor Boucher said. And I think it really highlights the, the special role that municipalities can play in, in the clean energy transition. Um, there's a lot of really unique advantages that, that municipalities have uh, in this space. Uh, at absolutely an unbeatable cost of capital. And, and that's really what uh, makes the wind farm affordable for us is to be able to finance that uh, with, with municipal debt. Uh, municipalities have the ambition to act. You've got councils that are um, passionate about addressing the climate crisis, uh, citizens that are uh, want to see action from their municipalities. So they have that ambition there. And, and they've got the ability to take that, you know, long view on, um, on, on their investments and, and their infrastructure projects. So, uh, you know, you put those three things together and, and it really does carve out a unique role for municipalities in the clean energy transition. I think that's, you know, that's the biggest thing for, for me looking at this is really that unique position that, uh, that municipalities have. 
Yeah. Uh, one of the things that uh, I've learned, um, and, and Sean doesn't have to because he's, he's, he's a professional and a specialist in this, but um, is just the idea of green energy. Uh, when we think of green energy, we, we always think, you know, that, or when we think of climate change in general, it's such a huge, overwhelming concept. But if we each take a little piece of it, we do have the ability to make, a, to make an effect on, on uh, mitigating uh, climate change. Uh, if we have three municipalities coming together, uh, but together we can to, we can make a bigger change. Municipalities, we can only do as a government. We can only do. Um, we don't know everything about everything. We can only um, surround ourselves with with good people. Um, I have to say that you know, uh, area started out with one uh, with one employee, Aaron Long, and now we're up to three full time employees. And each one, one with Sean and uh, Lenda Wright as well. Uh, each employee brings such a vast amount of expertise uh, to the table. Um, so the things that I have learned before about renewable energy and uh, being able to distribute it and what it takes and, and taking the advice of the experts like Sean and Aaron and Lenda, uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm very proud of the fact that each municipality had the foresight to 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 look into this deeper, and uh, we our, our council has learned so much from from all three of our employees. Uh, we're very fortunate to have such talent uh, locally in in Nova Scotia. Thank you, and I think you are incredibly lucky to have that talent and the ability to do this work. It's something that I can't think of any municipalities any other municipalities or groups of municipalities I know of doing the same work. It's a really incredible project. The three municipalities together, this is the first time that something um, of this, uh, this size, this capacity has been built with zero dollars from the government. Um, it's 100% municipally funded. Um, and uh, that's that's a big chance that each council took, um, and not without going through the due diligence and taking the advice of of, uh, of the staff. So um, this is the first time it's been done across Canada, um, and it's not even three municipalities that are close in relatively close in 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 region. We're, we're spread all over Nova Scotia, so it, it does say that we can work together. Personally, I'm very grateful to the three municipalities for taking that step and being the first to do that because I think this is a really great model that I hope other folks will be looking at too. Was there a reason why area chose to go with wind or were other renewables considered? And what, how was that decision-making process made? What was the, how, why was wind the result? I can, I can touch on that from a municipal point and from an elected official point of view, and I'll let Sean go into the details of, of wind versus the other, the other resources. Um, uh, when we finally came into area, um, it, it was after trying a few other things that the government has put forward as incentives, and it just didn't turn out for one reason or another. Um, kept pushing the the wind turbine uh, resource. Uh, it came to be that it was the best opportunity at the time. Um, they did look at other other um, other forms of, of green energy as well, but 
um, you know, the lower is lower energy cost. Um, it was uh, uh, most financially practical for the three municipalities. Um, we worked with um, with Minus Energy, and they specialize in wind in wind energy as well. They've worked on other projects before, and um, so the site was was uh, was was sought out in Ellen House, and uh, yeah, and the rest is history. But Sean can talk more to the the details of why wind over over other other forms of energy. Sure, thank, thanks, Mayor Boucher. And, and and to echo what Mayor Boucher said there, you know, we're area and the towns are really technology agnostic in this. We wouldn't have set out to say, you know, it has to be uh, wind energy or that's where our clean sources are coming from. You know, the, the approach is more around what's what's the most cost effective way to go clean. And uh, and at the time that the municipal electric utilities would have been running um, their procurement for clean energy, wind would have been the most cost-effective clean energy source uh, available at, at the time of the Ellers House build, that still would have been true. And even if you look uh, now, um, even with all the cost declines in other technologies like solar, from, from a pure cost of energy perspective, wind is still the most cost-effective uh, source in, in Nova Scotia. And I think Canada more broadly, um, there's been some uh, recent procurements in Alberta and Saskatchewan where they've been completely technology agnostic and, uh, and, and winds come out ahead. So, you know, I think for us, it's really about the, the right resource for the job uh, in you know, from the clean energy supply perspective, um, wind wind made sense at the time and, and continues to do so. But you know, we have some other initiatives upcoming uh, where we're going to be using other technologies like uh, like solar energy, um, which we're excited about. So um, yeah, really about the right 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 fit for the for the purpose. Would you mind telling us a little bit about that upcoming solar project, or is it still uh, not quite at that point yet? No, we're, it's, it's coming along. Um, there'll be a solar garden in each of the three municipalities. Um, one of the benefits of having it within our own community, as opposed to Dallas House, which is, is further away, that uh, we can connect directly to our own grid. So we're not going through Nova Scotia Power's grid. Uh, so there's tariffs there that we're not paying. So um, it's uh, just another way, uh, another resource to be able to uh, green up our, our energy use. But Sean, uh, maybe you can talk about how much uh, each municipality, each uh, solar garden is going to produce in, in each municipality. Sure, so the, the towns are, are looking at this community solar initiative to give citizens within the municipality you know, another option to participate in clean energy projects directly and, and to alleviate some of the um, access to capital and, and home ownership requirements that are typically associated with, you know, rooftop or, or net metered solar. Um, so, you know, this, uh, this project really provides a win for citizens who've got an opportunity to participate, but also for the towns to increase their green energy supply, like, uh, like Mayor Boucher said. So overall, it's, um, we're looking at about nine megawatts of, um, of solar, we're we're running some uh, procurement at, at the moment um, to to line up uh, costs and suppliers and contractors um, to to do work on the projects. And uh, overall, you know, between the three towns, it represents about seven percent of their 
uh, annual electricity consumption coming from solar energy. So, uh, and then that that breaks out a little differently by by town. Uh, but overall, you know, this it, it, all three communities would be leaders in the country in terms of the percentage of their electricity coming from solar. So it's the it's the biggest community solar initiative that we're aware of in the country and in Canada. You know, there's there is bigger ones in the states, um, but certainly something that towns are and areas is, is very excited about. We have a lot of citizens within the town of Antigonish, I'm sure the other the other municipalities do as well, that are looking at this and looking at solar and putting and wanting to put them on their house houses. Um, there's there's benefits to that, but there's also cons to that. Um, it's not available to every, everybody. Um, one of the costs could be a problem. Um, another hindrance could be the the um, the alignment of your house compared to the sun, where where your roof is is facing, stuff like that. So this gives uh, our citizens uh, uh, the ability to invest in our in our solar garden and still see a return uh, direct return on their on their uh, by credits to their uh, electricity bill. So I had a number well, since it's been announced. I've had a number of citizens very eager to be to participate in it, and um, there is a minimum um, requirement to to buy into it. But um, there are it will be available to the vast majority of our citizens. So it kind of puts everybody on an even playing field to be able to invest in, in green energy. So it's good for the entire community. That's really exciting. That's pretty unique, and, and again, it's it's. Uh, it's uh, you know it, it speaks of our staff coming up with the, with this idea and the, the ability to do it because uh, I don't think the we're very excited about it within our municipality and the and the other municipalities as well. Uh, but it's our staff that comes up comes up with these ideas. It's pretty easy to to say yes when uh, you have uh, uh, the three people that we have at the table for sure. We've talked a little bit about some of the benefits for the community. Were there others that we haven't touched on yet that you wanted to talk about with these problems? Um, yeah, there's, there's. Um, I'll touch on a few, and then Sean, you can, you can fill in the gaps. Um, when you look down, when you think about it, just, just providing uh, green energy is, is very good for the community and, and for Nova Scotia and for Canada as well. But if you look deeper, there's a lot of spin-off effects as well. Um, we're, by being involved in an in, in, in area, it enables us to have more leverage to apply for more, for more funding from the government to be able to take new, new initiatives like the Solar Garden Project, um, the EV chargers as well. Um, so it, it, part of it also is uh, just to have the um, to have the reputation, just let the citizens know that we are doing something. Uh, we're trying our best to do our part. Um, you know, it does have to have uh, an economic uh, reality to it as well, and um, it has to be beneficial in order for us. To uh, to remain sustainable, our electric utility re remains sustainable. There has to be, uh, it has to make sense financially as well. So, you know, uh, Antigonish, uh, one of its main revenue sources now is, is through the wind farm. And um, it's, it's good to be able to give back as well. Um, 
Sean, do you, do you have anything else? Uh, the one thing that I'd like to talk about too is the benefits, not only to each of the municipalities, but also in Nellershouse where the wind farm lies. Um, they're, they're receiving taxes on land that was not being used before, right? Um, also, uh, we do give to the community. Uh, we give them, I think it's up to $10,000 a year now that they use towards community projects. They, they give it to children that are students that are going to university or um, community college. They use it to fix up their rinks. Um, they use it to, to provide some recreation for um, for their citizens as well. So there's a lot of benefits to um, to the community of Veller's House as well. And also they've put uh, solar panels on their community center. So which was provided through the, through the area project. So there's a lot of benefits, there's a lot of spin-off. Um, but Sean, do you, do you have anything else to add to that? Maybe uh, two, two short ones to follow up on, on points you've made, Mayor Boucher. You, you mentioned, um, you know, the citizens in the towns being, you know, forward thinking and, and wanting to act on, on climate change. And that's absolutely true. And, you know, when the area and the towns had uh, conducted um, community focus groups within the three municipalities, that was, that was certainly a common theme we heard. And I think, you know, citizens are really proud of, of the successes that, that the municipalities and the utility have, have had in converting to clean energy. So I think, you know, being able to take uh, pride in, in, in that success is, is, is certainly a, a benefit in the community. And, um, you know, through the, um, the wind farm and, and importing clean energy on the wholesale market, um, the, the, these municipalities have been able to keep their, their rates low. So if you look at the three towns, um, you know, there's probably about a 10 to 25% discount versus the, um, the residential electricity rate in the rest of the province. So when you look at things like addressing energy poverty, um, and, you know, and, and that disproportionately affects those at the lower end of the income spectrum. Um, keeping our rates low and, and stable is, is an important aspect of that. And certainly the wind farm and the importing and, and the solar projects are, are all important aspects of making sure that uh, electricity is affordable in, in, uh, in the long term uh, for, for the citizens in the three communities. That's really, that's a really important point. I hadn't realized that it was assisting and keeping those rates lower and even that's really exciting to hear as well because I think you're right that that is such a big issue. And it's, all, it's also one of the things that can attract business and commerce to the areas as well. Um, you know when you have a company coming in and wanting to, to build or even um, uh, make a, make a a home in one of the municipalities, uh, uh, lower electricity rates are, is, a, is a good incentive to, to come to the area. So it's, it also has um, uh, an economic spin-off as, as well there too. Just to pick up on something Mayor Boucher said, that that, that economic um, development aspect of energy is is incredibly important. And I think becoming more so when you look at, there's, there's all sorts of corporations now that are making commitments to net zero energy and to clean up their electricity supply. So, you know, I, I think if folks are to look into a crystal ball on, you know, where businesses are, are going to want to have their 
um, <clears throat> their facilities uh, and their operations, it's going to be in places that have affordable energy, but also clean energy. Um, so, you know, our ability to keep rates low as we move to 100% renewables in our supply, it's, uh, yeah, absolutely an economic development tool for the towns. The last thing I wanted to talk about was what's next for area in Antigonish. And we talked a little bit about the solar panels and the solar farms already. Was there anything else that you wanted to touch on? Yeah, I think the the, the only other thing I would add there is around um, electrification of uh, heating sources as well. So, you know, I think when we look at the, the big picture, these, these towns are moving towards net zero emissions. And, and in order to do that, we need to clean up the transportation sector, like Mayor Boucher said, and when we're making investments in uh, EV charging infrastructure in order to make that, that easier. The, the, the other big emissions um, uh, source that, that we need to be able to address is, is home uh, well, home home heating and uh, and uh, heating in our in our commercial and industrial buildings, and uh, in the fall area, in the towns launched uh, what we call the home program or heat pump options made easy uh, to allow people to um, at low cost, uh, you know, get an assessment. Um, in, installation, maintenance, and, and, and turnkey uh, financing for their uh, their heat pump. Um, we'll, we'll be launching a commercial uh, version of that uh, shortly as well, so that uh, you know our businesses are able to participate. And then I think, you know, looking at how we can address uh, some of the large um, institutional and commercial industrial energy users and, and electrifying their loads and doing so with, with with clean energy. So I think. You know, those are, you know, some of the exciting initiatives that we're working on. And I think that are really uh, staff and then the towns are, are very uh, excited to pursue. When you talk about heat pumps, I just want to make sure I'm thinking of the right thing. Is that in the sense of a geothermal heat pump or am I thinking the wrong technology? So our, our program uses uh, mini split heat pumps. So those are, those are an air to air heat pump. Um, so Nova Scotia, um, you know, we, we've got relatively mild winters compared to what you, you'd see in Toronto. So you, you can get pretty good performance out of, um, out of a mini split and, uh, and, you know, there's significant savings for uh, customers that are coming off of uh, oil. And, uh, and moving over to that. Um, and, and again, this, this speaks to some of the regional differences. We've got uh, you know, high percentage of oil heating in Nova Scotia versus what you'd have in, in Ontario or in, or in other parts of the country for that matter. Um, so big dollar savings for customers, but also uh, big uh, emission savings as well. When you, when you look at the carbon content in our fuel supply here uh, in these three towns, it's, it's very clean. So the emissions profile on those heat pumps is, is very low. In Antigonish, uh, affordable housing can be a challenge, um, and and this is just another way for our citizens to to save money. Um, the, some of the government government programs, uh, it's really hard to get up to some of the low income um, clients, and uh, we're hoping that uh, with this program, we'll be able to to reach some of the people that really need uh, more efficiency in their heating uh, for cost saving purposes. Hey, Leslie Ann. Hey, Kieran. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well today. I have the day off, which is lovely. How are you doing? I'm good. The sun has emerged. So have I. I love that. I love that for you. And you know what else I love for us? Tell me. 
that a man who has been to the Supreme Court multiple times to argue precedent-setting cases weighed in on our butter tart debate the other day. <laughs> I know. I feel excellent about that. I'm a little a little concerned that what he picked up from listening to our Climate Solutions podcast is that I am on the no raisins team of butter tarts. But I choose to believe that he only brought up that part because um, that was the most controversial issue. It's controversial indeed. I honestly think anything involving the subject of raisins is automatically controversial. I agree. I would stand by that statement. Mm-hmm. Speaking of what's not controversial, though, is that your interview was awesome. Oh, thank you. I... I mean, it's it's hard to have a bad interview with people from Antigonish. I literally have not met a person from Antigonish I did not like. <laughs> That's excellent. That's a really high success rate. It is. <laughs> Just a lovely town. But yeah, so it was it was a really fun interview to do. And it was a really exciting topic to discuss. Absolutely. One of the things that made me the happiest, and I've seen pattern of this actually, is seeing municipalities take a leadership role in addressing climate change. Because I think, you know, obviously, there's so much about the science of climate change and the quantification of carbon emissions, but also it's what's really important and sometimes what we miss is the narrative of climate solutions. And being a part of a community that has taken positive measures, for example, with a renewables project, I think sends such a powerful signal. I think you're totally right. And what's really interesting to me is that this is that area is an organization of three municipalities that are not even next to each other, are in different parts of the province, that came together to do this work. And it's been so popular in Antigonish that, as they mentioned, they've, they're starting another renewables project. They're building a solar garden. And part of their mm-hmm. reasoning behind that was it lets community members who want to be part of renewable energy, who want to be part of climate solutions, but for various reasons can't have their own solar panels, it lets them invest and be part of a climate solution in their community. Absolutely. You know, not a single one of us is solely responsible for climate change. And I think that that's overwhelming because it just means correspondingly that you yourself can't solve it either, even though it's going to affect you. But it does show that there are things that you absolutely can do and that those things feel really satisfying. Totally. And I think part of it is also just doing it because... We can talk about all of these different climate solutions. And, you know, there are still some unanswered questions. But we have solutions right now that we can implement. And when communities come together to take actions like this and just do the thing, just build the renewables project, build the second renewables project. And just taking that action is something where I think so often people get stuck. They get stuck at the the planning stage at the how are we going to do it where are we going to get the money but these municipalities sat down and said we are going to do this how do we do it and just just did it i know it is awesome and 
I mean, you know, that means that the next renewables project is just going to be all the easier for having that experience and having that institutional knowledge. Absolutely. And I think what's really incredible about this is this was all municipal money. They didn't require provincial or federal funding. And as many of my my fellow law nerds know, but this is something that's not really always public knowledge, not public knowledge, sorry, common knowledge, is that the way our municipalities work is they're considered a creature of the province. There's restrictions on what they can do that come from the province. And a lot of their funding comes from the province. And that's just because of our constitutional nature, division of powers, federal and provincial government, yada, yada, yada. Margarine reference, yada, yada, yada. Margarine reference, standout pop culture reference. (laughs) Clearly, I am a pop culture goddess, um, that that is my reference. (laughs) Absolutely. I will include a Wikipedia link for anyone who has not been to law school. And these municipalities were able to find the funding relying on their own sources of funding and credit to build this project, meaning they didn't have to worry about waiting on provincial timelines or waiting on funding applications. They said they wanted to do this and they found a way to do it. And I think it really reinforces the way that municipalities have a lot of power on these issues that I think before have been overlooked. And I hope other Mm -hmm. municipalities will look to what has been done here as a blueprint for what they can do. Because I think it's especially important to acknowledge that these aren't huge municipalities like Toronto or Montreal that have a huge funding base. These are small municipalities, primarily rural municipalities, in terms of where they're located in the province. And so if they can do this, a lot of other municipalities can do the same. 100%. Yeah, I mean, it is exciting. And just leading up on our, you know, what we were talking about two weeks ago as well, these, like, these projects, in addition to economic benefits, to narrative benefits, also have health benefits. Absolutely. A report came out from the U.S. this week that we shared on our Instagram, and it talked about how using government census data and government data on air emissions and pollution that so there's this thing called particulate matter in the air which is what you think it is it's little bits of things that are small so small you don't really realize you're breathing it in but they're little bits that you breathe in and then they go into your body and disproportionately the people breathing in that particulate matter from air pollution are people who are not white. And this was true across wealth and class levels as well. And I think it's really important we understand this and acknowledge this because we need to be careful that we're not perpetuating this in how we develop renewable energy as well. If we're looking at where the source of pollution emissions right now We need to understand that those places are dealing with increased particulate matter. And those are really great places to be focusing on providing renewable energy projects. Sometimes renewable energy can replace some of those sources of particulate emission. Um, For example, 
coal uh, energy generation. Sometimes it can't right away. Sometimes those emissions are coming from manufacturing and things like that. But if we focus on providing renewable energy in some of those in those places that are dealing with so much particulate matter right now, it will help reduce the particulate matter that those folks are breathing in, which is better for their health. It can reduce various types of cardiopulmonary disease. And for folks who live with chronic illness, um, like asthma, for example, something quite common, it can reduce the aggravation of those illnesses by this particulate matter. And the reason I feel so strongly about this is because these communities are not the ones benefiting from this particulate matter in most cases. They are communities where these sources of pollution have been put in these areas because they are considered areas where where the where the voices of those communities don't matter the same way as the voices of the communities implementing these projects. It's environmental mm-hmm. racism. And as we move forward, we need to be correcting that environmental racism while also implementing our carbon solutions and our climate solutions. Absolutely. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. What do you think about the aesthetic of windmills and solar panels? I personally love it. I find it interesting that some people really like them. Some people find them a bit of an eyesore. I could care less about the aesthetic. I mean, windmills to me aren't the prettiest thing. I don't particularly like them. But having grown up in Kingston where we have a lot of windmills. Oh, they got a, they got a lot of windmills. They just kind of blend into the background. I mean, I don't like condo buildings either, but they exist. <laughs> we got a lot of those. I to me that's never been a concern. I mean, I get it, but it's just it's a to me it's just a factor of life you know you can't control where a condo building gets put up you can't control where a new billboard gets put up on the 401 it's the same kind of thing um, nimbies would tell you that you can't for both of those things but i totally agree i mean they you. would but they're not right <laughs> yeah <laughs> um for me the bigger thing has always just been how we're considering where we put them in terms of other ecological impacts Uh, There have been conversations in the Kingston area about putting windmills in places that are more ecologically sensitive, where they would impact um, certain species at risk more. And those are the kind of situations where I take issue because I don't think we should be compromising biodiversity and ecological integrity in the name of climate solutions because we don't have to. Um, Totally. It's it's changing. I think... I think it's interesting too, like, even if you don't love the vibe of windmills, if they're your windmills, you know, if it's your municipality's windmills, I think that that changes the equation for people that aren't a fan of the aesthetic. Absolutely. I think the number I found when researching was that area, they power about 6,000 homes. Mm -hmm. Imagine being one of those 6,000 people and being like, yeah. Yeah, I live. I live on renewable energy. <laughs> Don't you dare touch my windmill. 
I know. That is awesome. The idea that, you know, you can just use the energy that you're use that you're using. It's just be empowered by the wind. And like there's so many things we can do to make our windmills less disruptive. A throwback to uh, climate allies of being painting all the windmills black or pretty colors because that helps birds see them better and not run into them and die. Can we yeah, can we just paint them all that. black? That, w- very, that would help. Very, very cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is a big deal. I think these things have all been an incredible win-win, Kieran, and we do love our win-wins. We do. Is next week talking about something that is a win-win? I would say so. I would call advanced weathering. You got at least two wins on the win to the win-win-win-win spectrum. Yeah, next week we are talking with Kelly, one of the co-founders of Project Vesta, which is an organization that is using advanced weathering, which is a fancy word for when you essentially crush up different rocks and the mineralization uh, acts carbon negative to draw CO2 back out of the atmosphere. And uh, I'm super pumped for it. As someone who is 100% that person who will stop you on a walk so that I can pick up a cool looking rock and put it in my pocket and then realize there's three other rocks in there from other walks <laughs> I've taken over the past year, I'm really stoked all special. to talk about rocks. I have so many special rocks. So many. They're all special. Yeah. It, it's a problem. Awesome. Well, I will see you.